Hello, this is me, Yogila Damroskaita, and I am very happy to present you One Mind Zone Inspirational Conversations, Episode 7. Inspirational Conversations teaches you how to reach a balance of body and mind. And my guest today is wonderful Mara Veles. Me and Mara, um, we have known each other uh, for more than 12 years already, since the first day I moved from Portugal to Berlin. And this was the beginning of a very beautiful and long friendship filled with so much positivity, inspiration and happiness. At the time when we met, she was taking a part in a Qigong teacher training and she was already promoting ancient knowledge and the importance of being connected with nature. Later, she got more involved with the shamanic community in Berlin and was an interpreter in a project of recovering ancient traditions from all around the world. Years later, she moved herself to the shamanic community in Colombia, where she lived for four years and where she learned everything about medicinal plants, the process of healing and recovering all ancient traditions. At the moment, she is back to her roots in Mexico, working as a teacher and offering her help to a local community, especially for women. We will have many beautiful stories and many inspiring stories too today. So enjoy this conversation between me and Mara. Hey Mara, thank you for making time for us. Oh, Yoga, thank you so much. I thank you for this uh, space, this opportunity. Um, I'm really glad and really honored to be here with you. And, um... and uh, you know, like from the beginning when we met, from the first moment, um, I didn't, could not even imagine that this is going to be such a long and amazing friendship from that time. Mm. And um, uh, it, we, we were not only the friends, we were also flatmates, we were also the colleagues at work. And through all yeah. of these years and time, I learned so many things from you and I, you, you inspired me so much all the time. The, the most important thing was your positivity, nonstop positivity all the time, no matter what, to have it a smile in the face and go forward no matter what. Uh, I learned from you that um, the person can be a very hard worker no matter what as well, because there are no any hard situations in a life. Everything is possible. And uh, you never were giving up no matter what. And you always found the way how to get out from no matter what kind of difficult moments. Um, I also saw you being creative a lot. And this inspired me so much. And yes, and so many amazing moments, so many amazing, beautiful, inspiring stories about your life. So I thought, well, from the beginning of the One Minds on this Inspirational Conversations podcast, I knew that I really want to have a talk with you because you would give so much help to others and your stories would inspire other people too. Because I know that your life being really colorful <laughs> with all kinds of uh, moments and stories and um, first I want to actually ask about your life experience tell me about your life until now what were the best and the worst parts in your life 
And did you face an, any obstacle in your journey that was particularly challenging to you? And if yes, how did you get through this? Oh, wow. Uh, thank you so much for all that uh, introduction and description. <laughs> um, yeah, my life has been full of, yeah, like you said, really beautifully uh, colorful. Um, a lot of experiences, many, many different experiences, probably coming from having parents. I mean, I was born in 78, so they were like very hippie, <laughs> very young. Um, my mother was only 16 when I was born. So, um, yeah, they, they traveled very much. Like we moved to, from Guadalajara to the Caribbean when I was very, very young. Then we were moving from one home to the other and then to the other, uh, trying to find like a place to, to, to settle. My dad was working in hotels and I like had to go to six different primary schools. So every time I had like a new, you know how it is when you're like the new, yeah. the new child in the group, right? In like a classroom. Mm -hmm. And like, I had that many times and um, so I would count that as like the horrible, <laughs> like the first horrible experiences in my life, uh, the being the being the new, right? And um, a lot of bullying and a lot of of that, no. On the other, and always like being observed, no, by the others. A lot of explaining again why I'm there, why I always was also the youngest in my class, and so. Um, beautiful was to like grow up uh, to grow up in the in the jungle because Cancun back then it was full of nature full of birds and jungle and I read literally saw it um, grow and um, pretty much get destroyed by us mm -hmm. um, humans and um, yeah, so um, a lot of that, a lot of changes, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, my parents got divorced uh, when I was really young. I was like nine years old. Mm -hmm. uh, then, then probably this brought to, or many not, probably not that. I don't, I wouldn't say exactly what was the origin of everything. Probably just a history of the country or the life of my um surroundings uh the family and all of the experiences of my of my family and my parents as well and my my, my siblings but um yeah i think probably the most the hardest experience in my life was uh alcoholism being being becoming uh, probably becoming an alcoholic at the age of 11 years old, very, oh, wow. very young. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, very young. And um, yeah, so thanks to um, many things, I got over it, um, which is something like I never really, um, I don't know, an addict person I would say doesn't really realize that yeah. that's a problem yeah. like I didn't um, 
and most of the people that I've met in my life that have addiction don't recognize themselves as mm. ones as addicts. So uh, since like being really young, my mom, my father wasn't there. My mom would work all day. I was just getting drunk from in my walk from home to the school at seven in the morning every day. Um, and then continuing uh, on the day, my mom wouldn't even notice because she was too busy trying to make money to feed us, right? So that's probably one of the, one of the most um, hard, the hardest experience in my life. Um, and yeah, nature and plant just helped me plant medicine pretty much um, without even knowing and it just happened it just happened so I'm really blessed wow yeah. this is very long time ago already so yeah wow <laughs> who was the most influential person in your life how do you think um I would say my mother I would say my mom, my mother, um, she always found a way to do the best out of whatever she had. <laughs> um, the, the most vivid and, and beautiful example, mm. it's uh, food. Mm. She opened the fridge and if she had like three things sitting in the fridge, she would just cook something really beautiful. And it would it was always enough for everybody. <laughs> so I don't know, Beautiful. somehow she made it. It was always enough and it was very nice food. And um, through the years, she always like showed us, I mean, every time I got the chance to, and I say this because also many times I didn't have this chance to mm. be with her in the kitchen because mm -hmm. she was always working. Like in the morning she would say, um, put these things together and then make a rice and then wait until the water gets down and then you put this and this put that and then that's how she showed me how to cook um just giving me instructions yeah. and going to work and then coming coming at night to listen to all of the complaints of my brothers and sisters <laughs> like it was too salty it was not enough salt she should have put like you know they all complain all day like all the time but uh that's how I, I learned to cook. And from her, my grandmother, my great grandmother, because when my parents got divorced, um, we had to move to my grandmother's house for like a year and a half or two years. So all this time I lived with um, my, my siblings and my uncles and my grandmother, my great grandmother, my great grandfather. Um, so these women were in charge. I was the oldest woman in my, like, in my family. So this, in a very macho world, yeah. like Mexico, you know, this yeah. macho country, that made me the responsible of um, having everything done, right? Yeah. Having all the shopping done, all the cooking, all the washing, all the... It was just my responsibility because I was the oldest. And um, so I was, I was probably, yeah, but by this time, like 11, 12, and uh, I was supposed to learn how to um, manage and 
yeah, how to manage a home and how to take care of everything for everybody and how to be like the one person who's responsible for pretty much everything. This is how what you learn in a in a in a home where all women had been the ones to be in charge of everything because I mean in my family and many people I know in Mexico the the man has was always gone for different reasons mm -hmm. but in my family specifically I know like my grandfather uh, died when my grandmother was like only 30 my mom was like 13 years old mm -hmm. by then uh, my father also um, they got divorced and he went away and he wouldn't uh, really look for our well-being or to see what to make himself responsible as a father he never yeah. really realized that um he was no and um this um probably is what showed the women in my family that we are the ones who at the end of the day are gonna carry everything yeah so this is what they were trying to teach me which was also really hard but because when you're a child and you're 11 years old you just want to go and play and break exactly. things and like have yeah. fun and learn and like you don't want to be at home cooking for everybody and washing the floor and like um but at the end um yeah i i really i appreciate all these teachings very much um because that's how i learned especially to make something really good out of whatever there is so I think also how you said before about being positive and no matter what, you just go on. And that's probably, you know, it's pro it probably comes from there. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's like yeah. that. And what do I have? Okay. So I will do something with what I have yeah, exactly. and not just sit there and say, but I don't have all that. Yeah. And so I cannot move on. That's probably where everything comes from. So I think my mother was the one who really showed me this without even noticing. <laughs> so thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> this this moment this is uh, amazing because this moments it prepares prepares us for any possible difficulties in the future. Because if you go through this kind of moments, you can go through anything else in the life. Then nothing can scare you anymore. Mm -hmm. it's about as you say like if you, you cook from that what you have and this is like one of this moments. I remember when I moved to Berlin in the beginning I, it, I was also very tight with the money and everything and it was a moment it's like there is no time to sit and cry and stuff it's just you you use that what you have and if you have to live maybe from 10 euros a week you will live from 10 euros a week and you will find a way and you're still gonna smile and you still enjoy yes <laughs> you know yes. so this hard moments is actually it makes us stronger no yeah yes ah what a beautiful story hard really hard yeah really beautiful but yeah really hard and i guess it's not really that you are not scared of anything but you learn to do to go ahead even if you're afraid mm -hmm. like not not to learn fear paralyze you yeah but probably go slower and probably take a step back and watch, observe everything again, and then mm. move on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was mentioned, I mentioned before that you were doing the Qigong teacher training back then in Berlin when we met. 
explain a bit how Qigong works in the body and what are the benefits? Qigong. Yeah, um, such a beautiful practice. Um, well, Qigong, uh, there are many different um, techniques, I, say, I would say, or methods or ways of practicing Qigong. The one I, I was learning, it's very slow and it's pr pretty much a meditation in movement. You're very mm -hmm. much, uh, you, you, you train very much your imagination mm -hmm. and um, all you do, I like it so much because it's like poetry, just, just poetry in movement, expressing through the body. Um, so the way it works in the body, it's using your imagination together with movements, mm -hmm. like, look at the stars and collect them you know there are these are the names of the exercises okay uh, look up on the sky and collect stars or um spread the waves um the the, the clouds <laughs> uh, become a tree and you know occupy the space between the earth and sky and and then connect through, through your imagination, whatever is coming from the sky, whatever is coming from the earth, and then make them meet in the center of your body and let them dance, let them dance, let them do their thing. And, and then you understand that there is so much wisdom in, this, in, in, this, in, in, this, in the information that's coming from the sky and that's coming from the earth. Yeah. And just by, um, calling it upon with your imagination it's so much wisdom in there that it just goes and do its thing and you don't even realize what really it's doing mm -hmm. uh, you just feel it and after afterwards it's everything it's just better i remember every time after class i was like everything is just better i don't know it's not like it was bad mm -hmm. but it's just better it's not like i don't i wouldn't know how to describe it I wouldn't have words into it, but um, probably more technically explained, I would say um, it goes through all of the energetic and energetic channels of the body yeah. Yeah. for every specific organ mm -hmm. and the connection uh, within the organs. Of course, none of our organs works alone. Everything yeah. is connected and everything works together. So through the exercises, you allow these um, channels to move the energy through the body freely. Mm -hmm. Because of course, um, we humans like to do stuff. Um, we get habits mostly, and we have tendencies that are toxic for us and we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. Or we do and we don't care because yeah. it's just so nice. And um, so we realize, oh, okay, you start realizing that something changed. And when you, you know something changed and you feel better, then you automatically become more aware of what you're feeling. Yeah. So you become more and more aware of mm. what you're feeling. Mm. And of course, whenever you meet these toxic habits or tendencies, you realize, oh, 
because it works the same way I'm feeling yeah. really good now or this makes me feel really bad yeah or it made me feel really good for a moment and then it takes me this long exactly to recover. To back. yeah so you start going for the cheaper uh, <laughs> habits for the cheaper habits and tendencies that cost you less of this energy of life mm -hmm. no this mm -hmm. this strength yeah this strength for life and the power of of your life yeah so you start choosing more consciously what you do what you don't do what you eat what you consume who you talk to what you look at of course everything goes very slow and sometimes it just happens alone you don't even have to like work really hard on it exactly so i would say that's the way to go on works it's also the, the the one thing that started to show me how bad it was for me to drink it was um i also had to stay sober for class mm -hmm. because I, i i liked it so much that i was like i have to i have a class i cannot drink I, i'm gonna drink after the class <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna wait until after the class, and then after the class, I felt so good that it—I didn't even drink that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's—it's it's definitely what started showing me. Um, wow, there is something. You know, we were saying before, an addict doesn't realize that mm -hmm. has an addiction that's mm -hmm. causing him harm. But then, I probably—it's the moment when I started realizing. Oh, yeah. Um, probably should drink a little less and yeah so it was the first thing I did uh, regarding ancient medicine mm -hmm. that, that brought me this kind of awareness with myself and my body and what I'm doing with my life yeah I I never tried Qigong because I don't know why but I never had a chance to to try it But I've seen many times when the people are practicing in the parks, also here where I live um, in Barcelona, outside Barcelona. And uh, now I really understand what, what you mean, because if you say that every position is kind of uh, connecting with the nature, so actually really makes sense. Now, now I understand why actually there are these groups that are doing it outside. It's because there is actually more for for, for For doing it outside, no, than the inside. If you have to connect with the nature, or it doesn't really matter. Um, it doesn't. I wouldn't say it doesn't really matter if you're working good with your mind. Mm -hmm. If you're like, ah, if you have enough imagination, no. Yeah, because you are imagining everything. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, it's much nicer to have your barefoot on the ground. Yeah. On the on the earth. Yeah. Um, after a while, you realize how beautiful that is. Uh, of course, also imagination needs sometimes a little bit more of uh, training. Uh, some people have more capacity to imagine things than others. Yeah. For many people, and this is also a blockage of, of the mind and the energy if you are yeah. not capable of, but I guess it's also something just naturally as individuals sometimes, you know, you, you can do one thing better than other others yeah. or other things. Yeah, but um, I mean, I learned in Berlin, and many many days in the year, it's dark. Um, you could not be outside <laughs> or barefoot outside. Yeah, viel <laughs> Spaß. <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> and 
So, <laughs> yeah, my teacher had a very beautiful apartment, like um, an, an old building with like a really high roof and it was all white and the, 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 the floor was like wooden. Mm -hmm. So it was very nice and it felt like very organic, like to touch the wood floor mm -hmm. under our feet. And anyway, we had like socks. I mean, it, it's, it can get really cold in Germany if you want to. I, I, I went to classes almost every day, um, like all year long. And except probably the, the really cold months where I was away mm. most of the time. And then she always made a, a intensive workshop in Italy. So that was mostly the moment where we could practice outside with our feet barefoot and on the ground, like mm. on the earth. And that was really beautiful. Those were like the very intense where we would do like four, five hours of Qigong every day. And, um, but yeah, and also in the practice of Qigong or in the one that I learned, um, you're not supposed to uh, put yourself and expose your body to very extreme weather. Oh. So you're not supposed to practice outside if it's like really cold or if it's very windy or very hot or you're not supposed to suffer. You're supposed to be um, comfortable in nature. Mm -hmm. And it's not about um, suffering or sacrificing. Mm -hmm. uh, you can perfectly, you know, put socks on, put a sweatshirt, be inside your house and practice. And, and you will have much more benefits if you, if you respect your own limits, lim mm -hmm. your own limitations, instead of trying to prove something like you yeah. have nothing to prove to anyone. It, the, the only person that benefits from this practice is yourself. Exactly. So you have to do it the way that it actually works. Um, we were mentioning the nature so many times now. How do you think why we must reconnect with the nature? Well, we are nature. We are nature. And it's very interesting how uh, I have observed in my life how we forget this. Mm. Um, there is one guy that uh, sent me a video once and uh, it was some... Um, um, I think it was like a, a little... Uh, sea lion, mm -hmm. sea lion playing with a person, and they were playing like you know, like you play with a dog. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I think actually, you know who that was? It was uh, um, Kevin's brother. No way, really. Uh, Brian, probably. Uh, Ryan, I think. No. Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. He was a very interesting character. Um, I learned many things from, from, this, from this guy, uh, but he uh, um, sent me or posted this video and, and said, um, I'll never forget it somehow, it stayed with me. Mm -hmm. Men and nature uh, acting together, how beautiful. Yeah. And it really kept staying in my mind. And it was probably this, this, this video that made me think, wait, as men and nature, I mean, men, talking about humans yeah. and nature were not the same as we were two different entities mm. or 
not the entity is probably not the right word, but as if we were not part of the same. Uh, and then I realized, okay, this is where we are, humanity. We have forgotten. Completely. We have forgotten that we are nature and we get so distracted by yeah. what the society expects from us. Mm. So we grow up and then you're supposed to go to school, finish a career, make money, buy your things. And um, this is also, uh, these guys are called or presented as success or, 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 or yeah, success in life or, or the achievement of happiness um, or what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if, if you don't, if you decide to do something different or something else, then you're crazy or you're strange or you're weird and then you start being judged yeah. by society and by other people for doing something that you're not supposed to be doing you're supposed to be doing like what everyone else is doing so you're not you're not you don't take any time anymore to just sit there and think what do I really want why would I really like um, how do I feel Am I angry? Am I depressed? Am I happy? And what would I really like doing? Okay, if I become a dentist, I will probably make a lot of money and will be able to buy all of those things that I cannot buy right now. But am I, inter am I actually interested on in doing that? Yeah. On learning that? So, and then also society gives you all these information and this education about being afraid of nature of course nature is going to kill you a bug a dog what if it's sick um paranoia yes. no people having this paranoia non-stop yeah 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 i mean if you um um i mean i i guess pretty much everywhere but if you live in a place with like extreme extreme weather like like germany where mm. you have like and it's, it doesn't even get that cold as in other places in the world but yeah. i grew up in the caribbean and living in germany and experiencing this kind of cold i was afraid of nature <laughs> i was afraid <laughs> of cold like <laughs> i suffered <laughs> i remember running from the, the the metro station home because I and I didn't know how to dress properly right I was like for me long sleeves and pants were what you wear when it's cold so I go to Germany and I I have my my long sleeves and my pants and of course that's not enough and uh, you need like five layers of pants and four layers of and then guy jacket and then this and then that and then gloves and if you forgot your gloves oh. you're lost you're done <laughs> and you're i always done. remember you were, you were always having the the piece of ginger in your pocket so it warms you up <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> because i, I totally forgot <laughs> i totally forgot up. about that <laughs> you were saying well you know if you have to wait the s-bahn the train for like 20 minutes or something so at least <laughs> I have a healing. <laughs> I can warm oh. myself up. 
<laughs> wow. Wow. See, I wasn't that lost as I thought. <laughs> you had your remedies. <laughs> I had my remedies already. Yeah. But I remember crying, crying, like running, <laughs> like before I discover all, all those tricks, no? Mm. And I would cry, like really cry, like, oh, cold, I'm never going to get home <laughs> alive. And my tears would freeze in my, on my cheeks. No way. I would get home and I would have like lines of salt here. Um, anyway, so. You were really this, suffering. This, yeah. So after that, when I started like making a bit more money, uh, I would totally just save all of everything I could to just get out of there as, as soon as it got cold. So most of the winters I was traveling. But yeah, those, that would be like an example where you can be afraid of nature, but probably not afraid, just like getting to know. Yeah. And, uh, and have respect, right? For yourself and for the world as it is and like take care of what you decide. I mean, I decided to live in Berlin, no one made me. Yeah. So I had to be more responsible about it. So I guess that's what we really forget, probably. Yeah, but we get to choose. I think it's also because when we grow up and the the whole society or the whole education is saying from the beginning on, uh, explaining about the nature. And for example, if I, I come from Lithuania and then that school that is biology or something and then they're explaining about different things about the poisonous snakes about the about the scorpions and the stuff and they already scare you from the beginning on they already put you you know on you this fear and paranoia that you already scared from the small days even you know to see these things you know and of course when you see these things then you start freaking even out you know so i think the we we, we first we educated already wrongly from the beginning on maybe we should be educated in a way that um we should make a connection with the nature first <laughs> and to i don't know it's like um it should be a completely different process in knowing the nature and uh, getting to know the nature slowly it's like not not just saying that this is poisonous and this is bad and this you have to take care um because me myself i have myself so many fears of the of the animals or of the thing you know but then i see more i also travel to exotic countries and more i see these things less fears i'm having because more i'm facing these things more or less less i'm scared about um so yeah i think that maybe yeah the education should should change this whole understanding because well the in for example in india the kids are playing maybe with a with a cobras you know in the backyards or in the jungle you know <laughs> not look like or like you, you i remember you were telling me the stories when you were growing up in mexico that you were playing in a in a jungle with a with a huge spiders as well <laughs> for me i remember when you were telling me i was freaking out <laughs> And for me, it was just so normal. Yeah. And uh, um, I remember in Colombia when um, I moved to Colombia and first we had like a dorm and it was about 16 people staying in one dorm. Mm -hmm. And I was the one who they always called whenever a spider was inside. And I, for me, it was just so easy um, to, to take it in my hands and put it outside and let it go. <laughs> and 
of course you have to be careful with everything because there exist poisonous spiders and you have to know a little bit about them and like one time I was not careful enough and mm -hmm. I there was a spider but the cat had been played had been bothering the spider like it was had been playing with it mm -hmm. and the spider was really afraid of the cat already and it was already in an act attitude of like defending or fighting for her life so I didn't I didn't pay attention to this and I just grabbed the spider and it bit me in my oh. hand of course because it was already so sh she was like <gasps> a how bigger big, one how big <laughs> was it how big was it oh um, not very big probably like, like this <laughs> big like this big mm -hmm. um it was not a poisonous spider mm -hmm. you don't you don't grab poisonous spiders with your hand there is another technique that okay. you can use to to take them now with like a a glass and a yeah. paper and paper and, under yeah, yeah yeah just to take them outside and of course the first reaction if you are somewhere and you're not used to spiders the first reaction is to kill them that's what humans do and imagine if we are afraid of nature how afraid is nature from humans yeah <laughs> i mean who are the most dangerous beings on earth right yeah we're destroying so, everything already. So. We're destroying. so yeah, don't take spiders with your hands if you don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was very natural just to grab them and take them outside. And I was even talking to them like, please don't come in here. You will get killed. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> I still do that, by the way. I still take me them too. outside. <laughs> and, and I go like, please, I'm sorry. I have to take you outside. Please don't come back someone might step on you and there are the cats so just go somewhere else <laughs> i remember when i was when i was a kid well um, now i'm less uh, scared of the spiders but when i was a kid and my mom was not at home my father was not at home and there was a big spider and i was panicking how to take him out but i never was killing the spider because for me it's like you cannot kill a spider because it's not good so and I was just looking at him, like staring, like hypnotizing and speaking with him. I'm trying, and I was like really watching at him and trying to see him as a beautiful one, you know, like trying to see him as like uh, innocent and not uh, and not dangerous for me, you know. So actually, it worked because after after a while, just looking at him and watching at him, I lost the fear. I lost it. well, then I took him out also with a glass and with a paper, but it took me a while to calm down to hypnotize you know to meditate <laughs> a bit <laughs> and then i lost the fear <laughs> and probably the spider lost the fear as well yeah because they can sense they can they know if you're gonna hurt them or not yeah they, they know i mean sometimes they don't but it depends on your approach right yeah after a, a while of practicing trying to be in, in live in harmony with the rest of beings around then you also learn to like walk slowly exactly. and more carefully and watch your steps and yeah so they they can sense okay this being this person this human it's just doing its thing and it's not looking to to kill me to assassinate it's just me. freaking out <laughs> <laughs> 
if you're like ah then the spider goes like ah <laughs> like on your face <laughs> um can you share some specific examples of how connection to nature can improve someone's life i guess you start taking more conscious decisions mm. on, based on life not on what society expects from you mm. i believe that our disconnection has a lot to do with as i said no like we are trying you're we are looking at another direction trying to satisfy others expectations yeah or or trying to think um what the world needs or we are also trying to probably many people are, are trying to become heroes and like trying to save the world and or or we're trying to i don't know doing things that would probably make us probably satisfying the ego yeah more I yeah. think our disconnection with nature leads us to give more importance to make our ego happy mm. than actually making ourselves happy mm -hmm. and and with life and with our own life and so we through through this connection we get to know what we really want like our deepest being what we really need to be doing or not doing instead of just trying to make the ego happy mm. so instead of trying to do something to get like everyone's applauses especially now i mean yeah. everyone um a, a lot of people that i know are just going crazy with taking pictures of themselves and um to and everything they do and make them make it public and then and, and the rest of the time they're looking at what other people other people pictures and mm. and judging and criticizing oh you shouldn't be wearing that shirt you shouldn't be wearing that. what are you eating uh, or or discussing about opinions mm. but i think this no but what you think is wrong because i think this and um so we are looking at uh in another direction and what is this why is this actually really useful yeah. for our lives what do i get or what does my soul and my heart really get out of winning a discussion about some political opinion yeah which is only opinion right yeah or or about criticizing other people for what they're wearing or what they are um how they are imagine how they're dancing or mm or trying to say, I don't know, I, I could make a, like a long list of examples of what we're all doing just to satisfy the ego instead yeah. of, you know what? I actually feel really good right now and I don't need anyone's applauses. Yeah. Or I, I don't need all of those likes. Mm. And don't take me wrong. I mean, there are many things that are being done online, like what you're doing which are trying to share something that makes sense for all mm. of us, especially mm. now in all these times that we're living. 
uh, where everyone had to go online, even if you that's didn't a problem. want it. Yeah, that's a problem. So this is- We are forced is, um, to do that. <laughs> we are forced to do that. Yeah. And uh, uh, many people are, are finding a way to, to develop. I mean, you are a beautiful example of, of someone that I've seen. Uh, I mean, we know each other for so long and I probably we've seen each other grow and change Completely. and learn and be coherent with, with what we're learning. And yeah. now um, yoga, who loves music, who loves going out there performing and singing, and then you are catapulted into your apartment. Uh, so and you sit there and you think, what do I do? Okay, I'm going to share what I have learned and what I have seen, and then I can do this. So this is, this is different. And I don't mean like everyone who's doing something online is doing something wrong. I mean, what are you doing online? Does it, make, mm. does it really make sense? And does it really make you happy? Yeah. Does it really make other happy? Can yeah. you really share that well-being? Because at, finally, what you do with all of your well-being is to share. Yeah. You do things, um, you do things to be well. Mm. and um, there are many many things you can do to be well there are many paths there are many practices many many one many and um, at some point I guess you find the one or the ones that are better for you and then you come to a point where you are oh this did so this this was really good and um, I'm going to share this yeah I, I want to share it and so that's beautiful. And so this is, um, I think I forgot about the question and I just went talking <laughs> and talking. <laughs> no, but it's all related anyway. <laughs> so I would say that's our nature, whatever, you know, whatever feels wrong. And when you are focused only on like judging, criticizing and um, trying to get like everyone's acceptance, but then do you're out there and you like receive the applauses, but you go back home and you're like, oh, I'm so miserable. Yeah. Then, then you have to observe that and be aware and, and, and have respect for your own self. Yeah. And then for the others too. Yeah. You know, this last uh, summer we were traveling with my partner and other two friends um in south of france and we did a lot of hiking in the nature and we loved it and um what we also uh, <coughs> saw the shocking way that i for me i really enjoy just doing just doing the hiking in the nature watching the nature around sitting enjoying for some minutes continuing walking it's also combining you know the exercising and the and the aware practice you know like a, it's like a mindfulness practice it's like a meditation you know you just focus on the thing sometimes we were just all four of us doing for four hours and not even much talking you know just like and there were so many people just so many people also doing the same but they were not aware at all and that's what they're doing you know I, I could just see there were people just with a with a or with the cameras or with the just I don't know doing for doing it but I was like sometimes stopping and looking around and I thought 
there is amazing, beautiful nature around. We were in this amazing natural park uh, in Marseille. And I was thinking not many people actually just really looking around how beautiful this nature is and not really enjoying this nature, you know. And for them, it's maybe it was just like to go from point A to point B and then that's it. Go back and go in the car and go home, you know. It's like, and I was like, wow, we are humans. We are lost, you know. We are really lost. We forgot what it means. It's like, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We for, we have totally forgotten. Um, how do you think? How can a person know if he or she might suffer from nature deficit disorder? Do you think there are any warning signs on on the humans if they are not communicating too much with the nature, or they really need to communicate with the nature? Um, what happens when you are not consciously connected to nature? Because we are all unconscious or subconsciously connected with nature. I mean, we are nature. Mm -hmm. So when we are not consciously connected, probably there was an eagle that just flew by. I really... <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah, just is this a sign? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Does it, does it mean anything? <laughs> just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say probably um, suffering. Mm. Um, suffering. Um, when we suffer. We have to, we need to observe why are we suffering? Because you can be afraid and not, not be suffering. You can be afraid and just know that you're afraid. Yeah. And um, observe. And maybe if you're afraid of something, then um, you have to think. I mean, because all of the emotions have, uh, have an, in, an intention are supposed to do something for you it's not like we just have emotions just because just because everything has a purpose in life yeah everything what exists yeah. so this is something we have to know and uh, if there is something that exists and we don't understand its purpose and it's right there it can be that we suffer yeah fear fear for example there is a beautiful short story of like a, a, a man who was afraid of injections and he was supposed to get an injection um, and he suffered for like a week like ah, I'm so afraid of needles and I cannot see a needle and it's gonna hurt so bad it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt and it's really afraid mm. of pain and then the moment comes and he's like right there and uh, there is a person he knows and it's hugging and like they're holding him like you need to get this injection there is no other way yeah and um so the nurse finally comes gives him the injection he's like oh that wasn't even that bad and it took <laughs> two seconds yeah i mean injection can really hurt it depends on what you're getting um 
injected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I had a back problem um, for a long time and I needed to get this vitamin B mm-hmm. injections and they were so painful but mm-hmm. for two seconds and then I felt much better. Yeah. Um, and um, I was really suffering from pain and I couldn't move. So mm-hmm. I was like, I need some help. If yeah. this injection is going to help me to make my muscle a little less swollen, yeah. um, then I'm going to take it um, mm. and then, you know, let it rest and continue on working. But so you're suffering from this fear of pain and it's all in your mind. Yeah. You don't need it. You don't need to be afraid. It's not going to hurt too much or... Or if you're angry, that's another very interesting emotion. You're really angry or you're constantly angry. And, and then if you skip just one step back and go, why am I angry? Mm. Why am I really angry? What is that that, I, that really makes me angry? Then you will realize it's mostly many things that you don't want anymore yeah. or you don't want at all. And you think you have to be there or you think your mind and your mind construct and your education make you think you have to be there and you have to be doing what you're doing. But if you're angry or depressed, also depression, it's also something that comes together with that. Like you're doing something you don't want to be doing. Yeah. You are being a person or you are, you are presenting a character to the, to the world that you don't want to be, or, or maybe you wanted exactly. to be this character, you know, but you but don't want to be that. But you're also not strong enough to be that, yeah. You're not, either you're not strong enough or you don't know. Sometimes many people don't know As you well. should not be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't know, I, I, I can only talk from my own experience. I didn't know I didn't want to be working at, in a club bartending. Yeah. And just feeding this, I, th- I, I saw everyone uh, being in this club, taking a lot of drugs, drinking more and more and mm-hmm. more so that they can take more drugs. And my colleagues would work like 15 hour shifts yeah. to make money to buy drugs so that they could work and they could make money to buy more drugs. And like the loop, no? <laughs> yeah. And then you, exactly, we're full of loops in our yeah. life. Yeah. We are into the loop. Yeah, And then many times we are so deep into this loop that we don't even realize anymore that it's not what we want. Mm. And then all these emotions come. For me, it was anger. It was depression. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know it was because I did not want that life anymore. Mm. So when you connect with yourself and get out of all that mind construct, then you have more opportunity, more chances, because you, if you connect with yourself, you one step back, breathe, what do I really feel? What do I really want? It gives you, it opens a space where you can maybe look at it, look in another direction as where you were looking only. And then you can see not one, but two or more options of things you would actually like be doing better. And we have one life. I mean, there are theories that there are many lives, but there is a reason why we don't remember them, right? Yeah, exactly, because we have to live it now. <laughs> you have to be now and here. So mm. 
I guess that, yeah, could be a thing that we could do like emotions. If, if you're not happy, if you're suffering, if you don't understand your emotions, you probably need to go one step back and sit down and connect first with yourself. You don't need to hug a tree. I mean, it's really nice to hug them. Uh, but if you don't have one really close right now, many people are inside their apartments and cannot go out. Mm. So you are nature. We are all nature. You can connect with yourself and that's the first step. Sit down or lay down, close your eyes or look at the sky, open the window, get some fresh air come in your house and observe your emotions, observe your thoughts. Are they nice? Are they not? Why? Can you change what you're doing that's causing them? Can you not? Can you do it now or when? Yeah. So these are questions that you can, you can ask yourself. What am I feeling? Why can I change it? Can I change it now? Mm. When? And then it's going to give you an impulse of, okay, it's my power and my alone to, to do things that make me feel happier, that make me feel better. And when you start doing this, um, you cannot go wrong, you know? Yeah. It's always going to lead you back to nature, back to the origin and back to where we, what we really are and what we really are doing here. Yeah. And not what society is telling us. Yeah. Or the capitalistic world or whatever. Anything else that's not, you know, aligned with nature. Yeah, yeah, this is true because everyone, there's a problem that everyone is trapped in this loop. And, um, well, at least now it's the situation, I think, slowly gets better because people more and more promoting the connection with the nature, promoting more walks, promoting more awareness and stuff. I'm, I'm also surprised to see, to see even stuff on the internet and see that, okay, it's people speaks about this more and more and people actually... Maybe now when we we on this uh, COVID lockdowns everywhere around the world and people cannot go out, the only way where we can go out, it is actually nature around us. Like, uh, I mean, since since last year, I think, well, lately I, I was, since last year, I was more and more uh, going, um, doing trips in the nature and w doing long walks. But especially since this lockdown, I, for me, it became like really regular necessity, at least once a week, like very long walk in the nature. And I think more and more people actually got this too, because I also see the, the common friends and, uh, and other people also here, or even, uh, even in Lithuania, for example, my family is also speaking, like uh, I have a talk with my sister and she's like saying, yeah, every day I'm just having a walk. So I'm going to the parks. I'm just looking to the trees and stuff like this. It's like, wow, I know that uh, these people maybe haven't done these things before, you know, and I still start seeing the hope, <laughs> you know, that maybe we are not still lost. We are still not, it's not the end, maybe, you know, yeah, we can reach exactly. that. Exactly. Slowly. 
but surely <laughs> and surely yes and uh, is also what i also um, saw through the years i had uh, different people in my life or different friends who maybe had had no connection at all with the nature for example and i saw how these people were suffering from anxieties very hard anxieties and uh, headaches because maybe they never were in the fresh air they were never enjoying the fresh air and and i really try to explain them that this is the only way how they can get rid of the all all of these problems is just going out and relaxing and just switching off the mind and just doing just that <laughs> go yeah. and look around <laughs> Yeah, no, but all these um, pandemic and locks, lockdowns and I mean, I am really, I must say, I am really blessed with this huge privilege of living here in this small village right by the ocean. Mm. And uh, we don't have, uh, of course, I'm mostly outside. I mean, this is my room and it's like, like you cannot close the windows. It's like always fresh air and beautiful. Um, so we don't, uh, we never got like so many people that actually got sick, mm -hmm. but still I was super anxious. I was very paranoid. I, I had, I couldn't sleep for a while. Uh, I lost 15, 15 kilos, <laughs> um, through the whole year. Yeah. And I was, I was very, I also had like, um, times of a lot of depression where I wouldn't get out of bed and very much anxiety where I yeah. didn't know I didn't even know what to do and uh, of course I mean at some point I got out of bed and went to the beach and for a walk and it always helped but yeah what is happening in the world is really really bad and it really hard for for most of us yeah. um, connected or not with yourself and with nature is like what it's mm. I often say many people in the world um, have or had the idea of stability. Mm. Like, okay, I have a job, I can pay my bills, I can, I like, I do, I, I employ a lot of time of, to, uh, I spend a lot of time doing my hobbies, doing the things I really like, and I like my job, and um, still, uh, it and it the whole pandemic and lockdowns move the ground under your feet and yeah. then suddenly you're not you're not as stable as you thought you were yeah imagine all of the other people that were not stable at all like were still looking to pay their bills and like didn't really have a home and like I mean all of the people that don't have a home and yeah imagine for everyone so there is like this vibration and this energy that it's global and even if you are kind of centered in your life and and have food on your table every day you're you still feel it yeah you still can you still can feel it and you still don't know what's going to happen and no one knows what's going to happen except mm. for maybe six people in the world who are like the yeah. ones that are benefiting from everything yeah the untouchable ones <laughs> the untouchable so those probably are like laid back and like are like you know fit up mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. ah, I can wait for them all to die so that yeah. I can finally enjoy yeah I mean I say it like this because I have to put a bit a bit of humor in it but um of course 
this is an, an um, extraordinary situation in the world where you cannot say, just connect with nature and everything is going to be fine. Of course, that helps very much, mm. but you have to think, wow, this what's happening is really hard, you know? And for me personally, I, I see it as, a, as an opportunity. I mean, if it wasn't for exactly. the pandemic and the lockdown, we wouldn't be talking to each other. Exactly. And, and recalling all these beautiful memories and doing this with the intention to share with, with others and uh, hoping that it's going to bring a lot of benefit for a lot of people who, yeah. who get like the calling or the feel this, this connection with, with what we're talking about. Yeah. So whatever you can do, whatever you, you know, you can share, um, do it. There is always someone who's going to get benefit from it. But then again, we start with ourselves, right? Connect with our own nature and our own feelings and then work on that first and then share. And how do you think what might people do during this pandemic to connect with the wildlife and how might that help us well we know obviously we spoke about how it might help but what could be the ways people to now connect with the wild nature if you have if you live in wild like wild life if you are if you are close if you have the, the chances to to be outside with like wildlife and nature observe i mean you were saying before you were out walking and and uh, probably many people were doing something else, you know, taking yeah. the selfies, of course, making <laughs> some kind of videos or making some kind of things to show and, and to share, which is also really beautiful, but yeah. you definitely are gonna get more, much more benefits for yourself if you observe, mm. observe, because through observation, you will see there is this tree that grows here and make this kind of nuts because these kind of squirrels live there and they need to go to this tree and collect all these nuts and go into these holes in the ground. And uh, so you, you know, you start seeing the connections, the tree, nuts, squirrel, the ground, everything moves together. And then um, there is these fruits that fall from the tree and then there come the flies and then uh, the flies are in charge of transforming everything or the, or the mushrooms, the fungus that form, they are in charge of transforming, everything has a purpose and it's interwoven with everything else and then, yeah. and then the spider is not going to take long to show up and come there and make their beautiful web to catch all of those flies and have something to eat. But then the flies wouldn't be there if that fruit was wasn't there, or exactly, or some dog shit. Even it has a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has a purpose, even shit. I yeah. mean, uh, uh, if you live in a wildlife, if you have this beautiful opportunity of being outside, observe, observe um, nature like really observe what what happens what everyone does then they, then come the come the wind and move 
moves the tree and then the seeds fly away and then they come other trees and then the rain comes and fertilize the earth and then the seeds start to open and then blossom comes and then the bees come and then butterflies and and everything has a purpose not only to be beautiful but only observing this beauty it's very beneficial to yourself even if you don't understand what is you don't have to understand why the bee is there and why in this flower and not in that flower you just have to be there and observe how beautiful life is and this is also a qigong exercise through observing the beauty then you understand also how beautiful you are as well in this life and it gives you a, a, a feeling when you think of beauty then you feel good yeah and you feel uh, thankful just to by being thankful of being able to observe the beauty even even to be thankful for being able to see exactly i have it's funny because i have this feeling it comes to me very often when i realizing that when i see things and i was thinking oh my god it's such a I, I'm, i'm so grateful that i can see this beauty you know and i can just experience this beauty you know and every time you i you feel like it's like a magic just from ability of seeing this beauty mm -hmm. yeah and um the ability of of seeing i mean we're not we're not you're not blind i'm not blind we can you know our eyes function mm. um my mouth my i have a voice um i can smell like if you think i mean we take it for granted right every yeah, day but if you if you wake up every day and and give gratitude because you can move your legs and you can walk mm. last years the last years were really challenging for me because i was in bed for months mm -hmm. to a back injury and i couldn't go to the bathroom alone uh, for months so now i get up every day and i'm so grateful for being able for having legs and yeah and being able to walk on my own to the bathroom like very simple things in life you know yeah just very simple things to to be able to have drinking water exactly. close to you if you just start looking in another direction than far ahead in the future and just come back and again one step back and look around you and what is there back like to my mom you know like what do you do have Yes. Instead of what you don't have. Exactly. Be grateful for everything you have. And being grateful feeds you, feeds your soul and your heart and your mind and your whole being. And as we were saying in Qigong, you know, these thoughts have an effect in all of your energy channels and your energy, energetic field. Yeah. When when you're grateful, it's like one of the most, the highest forms of please yeah for everything and then you can share it how can you be grateful and then angry or grateful and at the same time aggressive exactly. you know yeah and then what the person could do the one who's living in a city then 
to connect mm. with the nature. Yeah. Is that enough just to go to the park and watch around and just sit there for a while and enjoy the, the wind and the grass and the sun? Well, um, if you can do that, you're already really blessed and you're already really lucky. But if you cannot even go out of your apartment, open the windows, let some fresh air come in. And I mean, right now you have more fresh air in the cities because there are not so many cars driving yeah. around, right? And yeah. there are not so many planes. And yeah. you can, we can think about how good this is for the world, mm. for, for life for the planets, for Mother Earth, you know, and mm. then open the windows, let the air be fresh, uh, open the windows several times during the day so that you have some fresh air. And right now spring is starting, you know, in the very, if I think, I mean, I had to think back on my life in Berlin, living in an apartment and, um, I think this is not possible anymore, but I used to be able to make a fire in my room because we had these ovens. So now it's like East apartments with like a, an actual fire inside of your room in an oven, you know? And that was so beautiful for me, just like making a fire. I would sit there and look at the fire with the thing open. And ah, then my you room... mean like the old ovens? Yeah, the old oh, ones, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. back then. Exactly. I... I still, I could still use them. And I think, I don't know if you can still use them. I, I have no idea. Well, maybe, maybe they still exist. Some of the very old apartments with this, but I guess more and more they are changing them. Yeah. They're changing. Yeah. yeah. But, but true, um, now I remember as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I would do that. Uh, I, I did that when, when it was like a little get back for me. That's what I like to, to going back to your question and like thinking, what did I do? It was that like I would sit there and look at the fire with the thing open. Of course, it's not really helpful and you can do it only for a little bit because then you have to close it. Otherwise, you're going to freeze. <laughs> it won't get hot, no? Or open the windows, get let some fresh air come in. Some freshness and then also you probably first don't realize it, but at, so, at some point you will. How The whole energy of your house changes if you change the air. Of course, yeah. Everything goes okay. away. Like everything what's stuck there goes out and then there is something new in. Mm. One, one, really, one, one thing that, I, that really helped me and saved my life many times and that I always will recommend to people is even with the window closed look at the sky look at the sky for 10 minutes a day and if you can make it 15 or if you can make it 20 do it just i mean if you grab your phone and start looking at some pictures after before you realize it is going to be like, like two hours so yeah just like take 20 minutes, sit in your house, look at the sky and do nothing. And don't look at anywhere else, just look at the sky. Let your eyes wander around in the sky. Let the thoughts flow. You don't have to concentrate or put your thoughts away or do nothing like in meditation that like concentrate in your breathing and stuff, which is also really beautiful if you do that, if you have these kinds of practice, but I mean, you can even do it all together. You can 
look at the sky, be aware of your breath, breathing, be aware of your thoughts. What, 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 what thoughts come to your mind? What memories? Mm. What, what are you doing? Are, am I thinking the sky is really blue or yesterday was gray or it's really gray today. It's probably going to rain. And then you start worrying about the weather. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're there. It's a moment. It's only 10 minutes or 15 or 20 where you are present in the moment, connected with your thoughts, your feelings and the world and the cosmos and the universe. It's the sky. It's like so far away. Yeah. And it's doing probably something that we don't like, like raining or snowing, or maybe we do like it. But if you do it every day, every day is going to be different. Exactly. The clouds are going to have a different shape and different colors and look for shapes in the clouds or, you know, the things we used to do when we were children. Yeah, before, like grass and watching the sky. <laughs> yeah, before we learned, before we got distracted with what we, we were supposed to be doing instead of that. Yeah. Um, this is something I highly recommend if you like live in an apartment and cannot go outside. Um, let's go now a bit to the shamanism and ancient knowledge and the whole healing experiences. How did your journey begin towards shamanism and how did it develop through the years? Ah. Well, it definitely began with my husband. Um, he started um, taking part in like shamanic circles and was always trying to drag me in. <laughs> and, I was, and I was resisting very much like, no way, that's not for me. And I was like, no, what? You have to stop drinking for three days? Forget about it. <laughs> imagine that like really I was like no 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 we have to no no and uh after a while um because I just because I wanted to travel with him because we went traveling every winter so at some point um we started to go uh, separate ways mm -hmm. every winter he always wanted to go to India and meditate and I just wanted to go somewhere where it was hot and like, you know, party on the beach and like do fun stuff. Um, or what I thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can say. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of fun, but I was not happy. I just thought I was happy. I just thought that was my illusion of happiness. Like, um, of course I felt great but yeah so this one time uh, I wanted to travel with him and I thought he wanted to do this this shamanic shamanic journey in South America and I just wanted to travel with him mm -hmm. I thought you know I'm gonna come with you uh, I don't promise you anything I'm gonna just come with you and um, accompany you to whatever you want to go but I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to participate. Mm -hmm. Also, I thought that's, a, that was another thought. I was definitely already interested on in drinking ayahuasca one mm -hmm. time because I, all of my friends were, were drinking ayahuasca. Well, yeah, in Berlin they, also, that time was very popular. Already. Ayahuasca, of course. Yeah. Everyone was doing mm -hmm. it or everyone wanted to participate. Everybody was. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah it was it was when the big boom started mm. and um so my friends were telling me about it everyone was talking about it and i was already doing qigong for many years and i was like hmm, okay <laughs> but i thought i remember thinking okay i might trap i might try it but if i don't want to do it in the city like drink and then wake up in berlin no way <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, something what you really don't want to do in the city no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um and and it was already um after i was doing qigong for a while because i was already aware of how sensitive i am mm. uh, i was starting to just to realize that's going to be really hard for me to like um come out of an ayahuasca ceremony and then go into the train or in the metro and interact with other people and yeah. all this noise and all this smell of like diesel and the cars yeah. and for me it was already like i don't want to put myself in that situation so i thought if i'm gonna try it i want the whole thing i want to be in the jungle i want to be down at south america where the plant actually grows and um so that's what we did. So we went to South America and started this journey. Um, I went with him to do his second year of uh, the vision quest. Mm -hmm. And um, I got there to the first ceremony. I had the intention just to be there in support. You can apply or you could apply to, if you were not doing the vision quest yourself, you could be there and help. Yeah. It was a lot of work to be done. And so I thought, okay, I signed myself in to help. And mm -hmm. then Matthias was into the, 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 the second vis, uh, vision quest and I was helping. And then I was, you know what? I want to do it too. And right there, right then, uh, it was a group that I can say now that I know a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They didn't really know what they were doing. Okay. <laughs> but because you're not supposed to just go into the vision quest. You have to prepare like a year to mm. do it. But yeah. Finally, I, they let me do it and it was really beautiful for me, really, really beautiful. I had like amazing dreams and, and this is really something really hard because you have to stay in a space of like two square meters outside um, in the, alone and you cannot eat or drink anything for all the time. And so it's really challenging and uh, then um, I was looking for to find a, a shaman. Uh, then I knew like, okay, I want to go for ayahuasca and uh, let's look for a shaman. Uh, that's a good one because I already knew there is a lot of, a lot of just people mm. selling something and not yeah. really knowing what they're doing. And ayahuasca is actually super dangerous, like yeah. really, really strong. dangerous yeah it's really dangerous um you shouldn't just go and do ayahuasca with just anyone especially if they charge you like 100 euros yeah for a ceremony and are like 50 people inside you shouldn't do that but um if you don't know you end up doing things like that but so i didn't know but everyone recommended this one thing person in colombia mm -hmm. so we went there and i had my first ayahuasca experience ayahuasca ceremony in 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 this home that was made for that mm -hmm. and um it was really amazing i spent the first the first night 
doing Qigong outside, looking at the sky. Uh, I had a conversation with the, with the person that was guiding before the ceremony, mm-hmm. because I had a lot of questions and I was really curious and I was also really scared and I was really nervous and I, I had to ask a lot of things. And, and then, so he asked me what, what I did, what I liked doing. I said, well, I live in Berlin. I work as a bartender. I practice Qigong. He's like, oh, that's very interesting. Why don't you try if you want? You don't have to. I mean, you can also sit there or fall asleep or do whatever you want. But if you feel like, go outside and practice some Qigong exercises and see what happens. And at some point I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was full moon. And um, there is this one exercise that's called carry the moon. Oh, so, my God. So I was doing the that. Full and, <laughs> the full package. The full package. The full package. It was so beautiful because then it's, it was like as if the plant was showing me what the... It was like the plant was say, telling me, you're doing it wrong because you're supposed to be feeling this and not that. So you have to move a little bit. It was millimetric corrections that the plant yeah. was making. And these Funny. millimetric corrections in my hands and my posture and what I was thinking made me have a full different experience. Yeah. And understanding of the practice and of life and nature yeah. and dimensions and the cosmos. And like it went on and on and bigger and bigger and wider and wider and I was <laughs> amazed and um, so it's how it started and then I thought for the first time in my life this is what I want to do this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and of course the first years I thought it was drinking ayahuasca and practicing qigong at the same time but it wasn't actually that was just like the beginning of a lifestyle it was finally. the first hello no <laughs> yeah so that's how it it all started mm-hmm. and how did it develop afterwards how it happened that you moved to colombia to the shamanic community and how 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 did it happen that you did this move there and what was the experience there well, it all developed um, from this one experience, from this one, from the vision quest and the um, first vision quest and the first ayahuasca ceremony. Um, I realized probably, back then probably I didn't see it the way I see it now because it has developed very much, but I definitely was aware of what I was feeling more than before. And um, we went back to Berlin and life in the city was never the same again. Yeah, of course. So I, I had to see everything completely different. Um, and everything started to bother me. Mm. Um, at some point, um, I, I stopped smoking. That was a big thing because I used to smoke very much. So I stopped smoking from one day to the other. Um, it happened. Um, it just happened. Like one, one day I, I realized, I, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, um, I'm yeah. in marijuana. I was smoking yeah. a lot of marijuana. 
marijuana every day yeah. and like all day long. And at some point I, I was there and I was smoking and realized it just came to my mind without preparing, without announcing, without it just it like a, like something opened in my mind, like, what are you doing? And I decided I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. I took my grass and everything and put it in the garbage and decided right then I'm not doing this again. And then I was like, I can take it out tomorrow or something. You know? <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> it's like, whatever, it's in the garbage can. I, I'm going <laughs> to, uh, I don't know. After the week, I realized I, it was myself taking out the garbage, putting it down and without thinking about it. So I thought, okay. And I never felt like smoking again. Yeah. Um, then we went back after the next winter. I mean, this, this shaman, the same shaman where I was in Colombia came again to Berlin and did this huge ceremony again. And then we had like a connection, like started a connection with him and his family, his wife, his kids, as we were in Colombia. So we invited them to stay. We had a very big apartment. So we invited them to stay with us and uh, they stayed in our house and we took them here and there and uh, sightseeing, shopping. And like they invited us to one of the ceremonies. So I went to the ceremony um which was really strange because i don't know so many people and like so much so much going on and i was already very very sensitive mm -hmm. and it was very like way too much for me and not really space to like focus on my work and the plant and what yeah. i was doing um but uh then the winter came we decided to go back so we went back to south america and then I met another another curandero from Peru, and I had this. Um, he had a very strong, very very strong ayahuasca, and um, we ended up doing many ceremonies with him. And in one of them, I had this vision or experience where it brought me to the decision to stop drinking alcohol which is something I never thought could happen ever, no? Yeah, like, I, I, as I said, like, I didn't even know I had a problem. I didn't mm -hmm. even know I was an alcoholic. I, or maybe I did, like, I did stuff like, I'm not drinking ayahuasca because I have to stop drinking three days. I'm not taking antibiotics because I have to not drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking antiparasites because I have to stop drinking. Like many things I didn't do because for me, the drink, being drunk was my priority. Yeah. But I didn't even see it as something that was um, not good for me. Yeah. So uh, in this one night, I realized it was like my whole body was showing me. It, it was like my body was screaming at me, yelling at me, like, please, like begging, please stop mm. stop doing this to me stop um look it hurts here and there and here and then it was like uh, as if i had 20 years of hangovers together in one night uh, so strong this feeling yeah. so painful and so painful in my heart because i thought what am i doing of course that night it 
it brought me back to my childhood and all of the experiences where it all started. It, it showed me why I started drinking because I'm smoking so that I don't feel that what I was feeling so that I'm not scared that I'm not I don't feel pain so that I don't and being a little child you don't know what to do with all those things especially if mom is at work all day and like you have no one really to hold on to yeah um, and no one is there taking care of you um and uh so this one night I realized like all of these things that was why it all started and how difficult it was for me to like my whole lifestyle like I work in a club I made so much money that I could you know have a really good life and travel help my family in Mexico um just you know just like abundance in um yeah in, in another way you know in another kind like yeah I had money to buy whatever I wanted to buy and like to travel whatever I wanted to travel to go to and but I was drunk and and and, and my body was not healthy and I was not happy um, and my body was already my feelings my emotions were already showing me um, I also had this one this time where I was not a nice drunk I was one of those drunk that were really annoying and really aggressive towards others and towards things and breaking things and talking really bad to people. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that one night, everything changed. Um, I stopped drinking. I decided I'm stopping drinking. I was su super afraid, afraid of that. I'm like, I'm not telling anyone because what if, what if I start drinking in one yeah. week and then, mm. and then I already told everyone and yeah. then that's how usually so it I, happens. No, you say it loud and then it's it's you start it again. You get, yeah, back, you start you get back in your trap. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after a month, um I told uh, my husband and uh, he was really shocked. My family was very shocked. They didn't they didn't believe me. No one really believed me. My husband did, but my family didn't. They would ask me every four months. So you're drinking again, right? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And... <laughs> so it's been now over 10 years. And um, after that, after stopping smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol, I didn't take any of other drugs. Occasionally I would have something else, but no, it was not really my my thing um life in the city was impossible yeah. uh, it was already like my when when after suppressing all of my feelings with alcohol and marijuana for 20 years going back to feeling was really hard because i started feeling and i am highly sensitive uh, which is also something I didn't, I didn't know. Um, which is also something I think we all are uh, in different ways. Um, but then I started feeling, I started feeling, just, just feeling, and I didn't know what to do with all that. And I was going crazy in the city. And uh, so we decided to move away. Uh, I ended up um, 
coming to Mexico first because I need I wanted to we had been doing uh, the whole thing with the uh, desert of Wirikuta was a thing. It started to be public and famous and they were asking for help to save it because the Mexican government has had sold it to a uh, Canadian company to come and take all the silver out and yeah. but that's a sacred land for the for the Wirarica people and already in Berlin we were trying to gather money and remember we made that party yes. to collect money yes. for them so I really wanted to to come to Mexico and uh, see what they had done with that money what was going on and mm go and meet them. So I'm, I went to this family, uh, this Werrarica uh, community in Nayarit, and uh, it was really beautiful. They, they told me, I also come from, from the Werrarica people, I, which is also something I didn't know. They informed me, yeah, you, you have, and, and then they said, you have to go and find out who in your family was Huichol, who was Werrarica. And so I was on a mission. I was like totally, and that was my mission. So I went to visit my grandmother, my, the, you know, the elders of the family yeah. that were there and trying to gather some information. And, and then one of my aunts uh, told me the story and it was like, I'm like four generation. It was like my great, great, great grandfather who was with Radica and married to this, um, uh, to this woman who came from an extremely rich family and powerful in, in the north of Jalisco. And they both got like um, kicked out of their homes. Uh, she got all of the inheritance taken away, mm-hmm. practically got kicked out of her house yeah. and with nothing and also for him. And they, with nothing, they just got married and started to have children. And thanks to them, I am here. Yeah. So uh, then, then this guy from Colombia, this leader, uh, called me and said, "What are you doing?" Uh, I'm like, um, "I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I I moved away from Germany. I'm in Mexico, um, but actually, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm not going back to Germany, and I don't yeah. want to stay in Mexico." And he said, "Well, there is a female shaman that works uh, with a, with dreams." Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be giving a workshop for 10 days. Why don't you come? I was like, okay. It's like, you just need to buy your flight. You can just participate. Yeah. So I went actually for a 10 days retreat with a female shaman that worked with dreams. And I was really looking forward to learn about what to do with all of the dreams that I had been having. And um, then they were going to have another retreat and they asked me to stay to to translate the conversations, then I was assisting their healings, then I was taking care of the fire, then I was um, teaching Qigong uh, every day, and then giving, giving, of course, many people came through the year, they were doing four to five retreats during the year, I started organizing the female shamans retreat um, every year, where only medicine women from around the world came. Um, so I was organizing, I was translating, assisting the healings and assisting the ceremonies. Um, I started then um, in this place. Uh, a, a lot of people came from all over the world to take part and to look for teachings and healing. Um, 
we being living always there and being always there, being the one person to talk to, um, people started to develop trust. So they would like ask me things yeah. and come to me and say, Mara, I need, I need to ask you something. I've been feeling this and this and that. Uh, can you, is there anything you would recommend me to do? And I would like say, yeah, well, there is this, I think this one healer could help you because this person knows very much about what you're saying. So if you want, uh, let's have a conversation with, I would translate uh, or this other healer because he knows much more about this topic or, you know, I would do that. Yeah, because I know them already, all the healers all so well, and I knew a bit more of than the participants what how they worked. So, and then after they left, because this takes ten days, they go back home to Europe yeah. or to whatever Canada or to whatever they, yeah. they their homes are. And then there was the integration part where people were completely lost, and yeah. this is something I've been realizing also through the years but there is a lack of integration programs in all of the retreats there are. So, but back then, of course, I didn't know. I didn't even know what I was doing, but people would like, we would Skype or they started writing me emails because we didn't have really good internet back then there in Colombia. So they would write me a huge email and ask me things and I would like answer. And then when we had a chance, we had a Skype call and, and this went for months until they felt they could go on with their lives together, like carrying everything what happened yeah. in the ceremonies. So I already started doing it, uh, helping people to integrate their process. Um, um, just like that, just like, so it developed like that. I started and I was uh, teaching the kids. I was teaching them English. I was also taking care of the kids. And yeah, I was doing many things in this community. Many, many things. So it developed like that. I ended up, it, it, I was like staying, went for 10 days, stayed for the next retreat, um, continued on my vision quest. I went back to Ecuador where I started for the second year. I realized. I don't like the vibe anymore of this place. So I asked if I could continue where I was because I like the, the, the teachers on the Lakota traditions mm -hmm. more better. Like I, I had the feeling I can learn more, much more from these persons. They, were, they also came from North America and they were like uh, kind of, I would say real medicine people. And uh, I really was, um, happy to be learning from them and they always had like an advice and I could call them and I could like ask them things and they were really guiding me through my own my process and how I am supposed to do things instead of just following a protocol so um, I ended up finishing my my four years vision quest in this same place and I just ended up staying until the time came where I realized I was not happy there anymore. <laughs> and I had to move on. Mexico was already calling me. I had been spending some months with my grandmother because she got sick. She's really fine now, but I, I could feel I need to be back and uh, mm. I, need to be, I need to be closer to my family. I, and I, I need my own space. And um, 
I had like a lot of projects in Colombia. I grew a lot of tobacco and I wanted to do things with this tobacco. Then I started growing medicinal plants and I wanted to do things with these medicinal plants. And of course there is this family, there, it was their house and they were the ones who wanted to do things. And I already, already like uh, found myself like with my head to the wall because there was a limit. Yeah. There was the limit of what I could do in this space yeah. and I couldn't go farther yeah. on what I was I really wanted to do with myself. And I had a deep love with this project and this family and this um, this space. But then, you know, I realized if I want to stay here, I have to do things the way they want it. Yeah. And the way they want it is their way. It's okay. They, you know, everyone should just follow what they want and what I really wanted was more was I, I I needed not that they were not doing enough I wanted to do other things and I could not do them there um, so I came back and I didn't know what was uh, going to happen so here I am starting I have my first tobacco plant <laughs> <laughs> This is, this is why my, you had to be medicine. there, you know, learning the things and now you can develop everything in, in different way. Everything happens for exactly. the reason. Back to the same point. Everything. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. It served the purpose. And even though I didn't know. So even though you know, don't know everything has a purpose in life and you will see so how, that's how it developed it's a really long story full of many many colorful stuff <laughs> um many healings we would like cook ayahuasca sometimes for three weeks non-stop you know cutting chopping the vine chopping the, the leaves um how is the whole process actually of making ayahuasca uh well there are different ways there are many different ways and depending also on what um kind of medicine you want to prepare and who cooks it and there are many many different ways and but the way we did it we we cooked ayahuasca for like the whole year mm -hmm. and this this leader would make you really huge ceremonies in germany you know like four weekends in in europe at least four weekends with like friday saturday sunday ceremonies yeah. with 60 people it was crazy so we had to cook all that ayahuasca and all the ayahuasca we drank in colombia um so we had to make like a lot a lot of ayahuasca and the way we made it was a very ancient way of making it that it's um, a kind of a honey that it's really concentrated that you can then like dilute with water and make it more mm -hmm. um and so it's like a concentrate and the in the tradition Mm -hmm. In the tradition of, of um, Peru, you use, I mean, ayahuasca is only two plants, um, chacruna or chagropanga, and then uh, the vine, mm -hmm. the vine, which is capi, the ayahuasca, the, the, the vine, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, mm -hmm. a, like, sometimes it's like very thin, sometimes you have vine, like looks like the, the trunk the of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> and then the leaves, and then you cook it uh, for many days, day and night. Then you have to add the leaves. It's a really long and complicated process, like cooking the leaves and and the the, the the vine separately. Then you put them together. Then you have to take care of it, like move it, and 
there are like all these things that happen that you have to be aware of. And um, of course you have to pay a lot of attention on what you're doing because you're cooking a medicine that a lot of people are going to drink. So exactly. you have to be aware even of your thoughts. Everything you say, like everything goes in there. It's So we would sometimes spend three weeks two to three weeks only next to the fire we took like shifts to go to bed for like four hours and um and come back and sometimes we would not eat uh just because of the medicine it was like an offering kind of mm -hmm. like you you fast for the medicine so you kind of are in um tuned with the with the energy of a medicine that that the people are going to drink so we tried to do the best we could on on making this medicine good for all of the people that were going to drink it and uh, it was really a beautiful job a beautiful work because no one got paid money even though the guy sold it for a very expensive <laughs> like, none of us got any cent from cooking mm -hmm. but it was something we all wanted to do because we all were receiving all of the benefits of the plant. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was really beautiful. And all of the work, I mean, many times we had sometimes ceremonies, like three ceremonies in one week. Uh, we would definitely drink ayahuasca once a month if there was no, no retreat. If there was a retreat, it was like three times a week. And um, yeah, sweat lodge, a lot of offerings, a lot of paying to nature. This is something really beautiful. I also learned and helped me connecting with nature from the, from the ancient tribes, no? This paying back to nature, no matter what. And yeah. after a while doing this, you learn what the beings like mostly, you know? But last time you were when we were having a call last time, uh, some few months ago, you were giving me some tips, like um, if if I have to fix the plant, if I'm replanting or cutting the leaves, that I should put actually the tabak inside in the in the in the soil just to say thank you for letting do things or sorry for disturbing. So I started doing it. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. And how do you feel? How does know. it feel? I, maybe I just did a couple of times because it's also my banana tree here. It's a bit like tired one. And I put it and I put it in and I was like, this is for you. I'm so sorry. I will have to cut your leaf. <laughs> put it. <laughs> she started, she's growing slowly, but I still didn't. I, maybe I should have to do it more and more times to really see the benefit but i started using your tips nice <laughs> to back to the nature <laughs> yeah yeah giving back and also um yeah like asking just to um honor that they're there to recognize them as beings equal important as me mm. equally important as everything else like and, and I have the power of cutting the tree a branch off, mm -hmm. but the tree cannot come to me and cut my arm away. Exactly. Not intentionally, at least. No. <laughs> I mean, it could, it could be that there is a hurricane and then the tree falls and it hurts me, but the tree will never come intentionally hurt me. Mm 
Mm. Only humans have that capacity, I think. Yeah. Or I don't know, but yeah, like consciously. Yeah, neither neither animals doing it. Yeah. No, they do it to to eat or yeah. to protect their, but not just because. Mm. So, it's also a way of asking for forgiveness uh, for everything what we as humans have done to the earth and to nature and to life. I mean, ayahuasca showed me what I was doing to my own life and to respect my body. And, and then after that, started to see, oh, actually that tree is also part of me. Mm. It is actually everything connected. We are all one. Yeah. And, and to leave this in the experience, because the idea is beautiful, but I think for me, through the years, it has been an experience, um, an understanding that came through experience, through life experience. So, yeah, there there was in 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 with the with the um, uh, with the indigenous traditions, with the indigenous communities, a lot of peace, a lot of offerings, a lot of connecting with nature through the offerings, through telling, talking to them, like talking to them, talking to the sky and saying, please help me, talking to Mother Earth and saying, Mother, please help me for this yeah. healing. I need, um, I need your help. Please take care of me. And after the years of doing this, I know no matter where I am, no matter where you are, we are all on the body of our Mother Earth. And that's what connects us. She is touching you and touching me. And that's, you know, when you know these constantly, like more and more. Um, it's really beautiful. So this is uh, like the offerings that the indigenous tribes do. It's a, it's a beautiful practice to, to live in this connection, to be like every day, you know, to be aware of it. How can shamanism benefit a person's health and well-being? Well, you Go actually already—you already actually explained your own personal improvement, how it helped to you. Yeah. But what are the other maybe benefits of it? First of all, go with the right shaman. <laughs> Don't go with just someone that calls himself a shaman or herself. Mostly, in most of the cases, a person that call, calls him or herself a shaman is not. Yeah. Or someone who took uh, like a weekend um, training, a shaman teacher training or something, <laughs> that such thing doesn't exist. But, um, well, shamanism being a way of communicating with everything what exists I mean, often you think of a shaman being, you know, someone with feathers and like a uh, jaguar tooth hanging from the neck. And um, of course there is a lot of that because it's a lot of the, 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 the ancient um, people that had this practice, but it all has to do, I mean, Qigong came from shamans and you don't have any feathers in any, it's just different ways of communicating with everything there is. If I'm doing Qigong and I am talking, looking at the stars and collecting them, mm. 
I am actually looking at the, sky, the stars and collecting them, probably not physically, but energetically. I'm taking the energy of the universe and put it inside of my energetic field. So, so my, 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 my body with, it, with its ancient wisdom will know what to do with it. I don't even have to know it, you know? Mm-hmm. It just goes and do its thing. It knows where to go because it has always known. If we think, um, if we think of the ocean or the water, or the water we are drinking as we are talking, the water of the of the earth um, doesn't go anywhere. It's been the same water since the beginning of times. So imagine where all this water has been. This water has been in the ocean. It has been in the river. It evaporates into the sky, then it rains again, then it goes into a flower, into a fruit, then we eat it, then it's out of our bodies, goes back to the earth, then it becomes, goes into a, a worm or into a bear or into whatever uh, living being on this earth has water in it. And it's always the same. So all of the information of everything what exists, it's in our body and in, in the information of our like now science tells us DNA molecules and like um, our DNA, um, it has science has proved it's salt water and that's what's in it. And all of the information of everything that has passed where that water has been, it's in there. Of course, our minds are very limited to be able to understand and then to, to grasp or to get to, to see it so mm-hmm. then we have these kind of practices like qigong or like ayahuasca or peyote or i mean but you have the plants and you have many many other different practices where you don't need this kind of plants mm-hmm. to enter into this um realm of information that's always there yeah uh then a, a shaman would um, no ways of practice that help you to get into into that. Um, so being that shamanism, a way of communicate and with everything there is, um, when you can find a way to practice, you know, this communication with everything there is, then you can start then nature itself with its mysterious extended huge wisdom will just show you a way and your 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 heart it's going to take you to a better place all the time so when you start paying attention to what you feel what you're thinking and paying attention that you can actually choose where to look at and where to go and take care of your what you say, take care of what you eat and be, be aware of that everything serves for the well of the whole, then it can only be beneficial for yourself and to others. So there is not a one way or two there. It's like everything is just better. And you can call it shamanism or you can call it just being aware or just being um conscious and practicing and being coherent so i guess there's like millions of benefits 
I was saying in the beginning, in the intro, about you helping the community there in Mexico where you live. And I know from our previous talks that you are helping there many women in many different situations there, advising them and uh, helping. And um, especially now when actually we are all women rising in the world and the, the power of women is becoming more stronger and more energetic. Um, if you, I wanted to ask you if you could offer women all over the world a magic tool that would connect them deeper with themselves with the earth and with the divine, what would you offer them? Well, we women have a monthly blessing <laughs> that reminds us that we are the creators of life. So we bleed every month. Um, I mean, there are women that are that don't don't bleed anymore that are older uh, but still uh, know what it is to bleed know what it is to to menstruate um, that is also another example of how disconnected we are from nature if you look at how we have been dealing with this monthly bleeding um, but uh, i would say Connect with your nature of life. Connect with our nature of being the creators of life. Of course, we don't do it alone. We need the man, but we have in our bodies the capacity of cre creation. Um, connect with your with your blood. Connect with your cycle. Um, if you look outside, everything is changing constantly. Yeah. So, so women have this capacity of we are also changing constantly our mood changes like during the day and then depending on what our womb is doing if we are menstruating or if we are uh, ovulating or if we are you know all these phases of our of our menstruation it's cycle with the moon as well mm. it's also with the moon yeah um uh, if we then can connect it with the moon cycle, of course, that's beneficial, but you have to start with your own, like being aware of where you're at right now, yeah. where you're at right now and, and being respectful to it because you cannot sort of make your womb do whatever you need to do for the day, you know? Mm. Um, I do this a lot with uh, women and with little girls. Um I try to find ways to to make circles where we talk about it, where we say, what do you actually do when you're menstruating? How was your first experience with menstruation? How was the first time you bled? Mm. What do you do? How do you what do you put into your body? How do you take care of yourself? What do you eat? Yeah. And then we come again to the point where we can see. I mean, if you look at commercials, you know, everything like media and like what the society tells us to do is like pretend like nothing is happening yeah, just go and yeah. ride your bike and go and swim and uh whatever just yeah. ignore it ignore it we've yeah. been taught mm. to ignore it and this is taking you completely away mm. of our, our 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 power of life 
of no. our creation and, and disconnecting from as our like a taboo you know like uh yeah. things you don't talk since you don't talk about because because it's dirty and it stinks yeah. and it's like um you know like all these things they 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 have taught us yeah sadly yeah but um to our own blessing and privilege we're now uh looking at them and still in this life i think we can make it i mean our generation is the one in charge now to like change everything somehow we landed here <laughs> <laughs> for reason so, we landed here for a reason you know we are the ones that have to um have to take care of the future of the of the coming generation the little girls that start starting to bleed now they should not be um ignoring their bodies and their life and their necessities so this is also something i learned in, from the indigenous traditions like because they my mom didn't get to learn all these things and my grandmother did learn some of those things on, on how to take care of your body and there were things you have to be aware of Mm -hmm. but she never really had the the the, in, the the opportunity to teach her daughters so my mom you know i bled the first time and she passed me a, a disposable towel and then i bought them every month to and then i started to use the moon cup mm -hmm. because it became the trend of like the ecological option yeah after i learned it's extremely toxic um and it's not like the best you can do for your body it's, something good you can do not to produce any more garbage mm. but that's it for the body is yeah. completely toxic then everyone starts having like myomas and like um all kinds of things uh so i started to use like um um uh, cotton pads like made from cloth from yeah. cotton cloth or some natural fabric and that you can wash and um put to the sun to dry and you can wear them again i've been using those for probably eight years already and it's the best I've done to my body. And I also changed what I, what I eat and what I do these days. Of course, I must say I am really thankful for that, that I can decide what to do in these days. And I, I, can, I can not go to work. I can call and say, I cannot go to yoga. I cannot go to, not talk to anyone. I, I'm just, you know, almost put a red flag out of my room and say, don't talk to me. <laughs> I, <laughs> And then I, I um, try to be alone most of the time because in this moment we are very sensitive, like much more than usual. So that's why when we have to work and we have to do things, we're in a bad mood. And then, then comes this cliche, mm. oh, are you in your period? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's not... It's nature. We're not yeah. supposed to be angry. I didn't We're not choose that. I didn't choose that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Choose, we are not even me. supposed to be in pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's also society. It's society that makes us um, suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't supposed to hurt. It's not supposed to be painful. It's just the habits that we don't know. Mm. that we're doing something that it's going to give us a lot of pain yeah because no one told us you shouldn't drink anything cold just that you shouldn't walk barefoot you have to cover your 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 belly you know um just little things so uh, a, a magic tool i would give women is take care of your body take care of your nature take 
honor, you know, your womb, honor your menstruation. Um, there are many things you can do to have a much better experience. I didn't know, I didn't believe it could get to be a moment that you can actually enjoy. In, it's really beautiful. Like if you pay attention to everything you dream and, and everything, all of the visions you uh, can, it's a moment of so much sensitivity and so much information is passing through your mind and through your being. You can write down things, color things, paint, create. Uh, it's, it's much better something expressive, even only to yourself, not mm -hmm. to others, than uh, to lay down and read a book. Yeah. It, after a while of practicing stuff, you realize if you read a book, it's like too much. It's already like too much information for you. It's already too much coming in. It's already there so much falling from and from everything around you. And if you read a book, it's like, whoa, or watch a movie. Of course, it's entertaining. And it's like, sometimes you just want to go to bed and eat chocolate and watch movies all day. And that's okay. You should do it. That's much better than going for a swim using some uncomfortable tampons or, 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 or cup. And then you go home and you have a lot of pain because your body is so hot. Yeah. You're not supposed to even take a shower. Mm. Uh, you're supposed to take, if you're supposed to take like some plant bath or wash yourself, even with chamomile tea, if you have at home, you can just make some tea, put it in a bucket. If you don't have like, I don't have hot water here. So chamomile tea or some plant or even, even um, some warm water and like wash yourself and don't get your head wet and then cover up. And I mean, I live by the beach and it's always really hot and I don't feel like wearing socks and a sweater but I'm also not going into the water because I know I'm going to be in pain after so I, did, I didn't know that mm -hmm. I learned again something new it's really interesting like you don't exactly we don't know we don't uh -huh. know all those things again the lack of education you know yeah the right and, education uh, mm -hmm the right education and people should tell a, a woman that's in their period you know what stay home come back in three days yeah at yeah. work or or you know people should be more compassionate too yeah. <laughs> to it should be a, should be a new rule like for every should woman be a, has a period it has a three days yeah it should board. be a law yeah yeah totally yeah. it should totally be a law but again but since we live in a macho society. <laughs> yeah, it's really a lot of work. But again, we have to start with ourselves. Like exactly. I am, I go out and I fight every day against patriarchy and like <laughs> um, I help these women and I go and I do many things. But then the first thing we all women have to do before going into fights and into feminist protests and painting walls, uh, destroying walls and destroying which is really nice because we have to find a way that we get the attention uh, i mean we're being killed right yeah. but i would i would say before that take care of your body take care of your own being take care of yourself it's like connection with nature you start with yourself you start connecting with yourself as nature and once you can have an understanding of the being nature 
then you can start connecting with what's outside. And I think this would be the magic tool, I would tell women. And then teach the little girls that are going to get into that world. Ask the oldest, ask the, the grandmothers. They know better, always. <laughs> they always know better because they've been here much longer. So yeah. they, they just know. They know all the tricks, they know all the, they know everything. So if we are in the middle, we have to be, you know, serving the ones coming, learning from the ones that already know more. That would be, I think. Very, um, very powerful tool. Yeah. Now it's time for the last three questions. What I ask for all of my guests. Um, what does your morning routine look like? My morning routine, oh, I wake up, I look out of the window into the ocean. <laughs> I go and make myself a coffee and then take a shower and go to yoga. Um, I've been doing this uh, since I can move again. So I'm really thankful for that. I have a really nice teacher and um, when I don't go to yoga, I go to the beach with the dogs, which is like a 10 minutes walk from here. So I, I walk with them. I have three dogs, so I go with them to the beach and let them break things. <laughs> and we play and we run and we come back home like full of sweat and sand and dirt and then continue with the day and yeah, gone with the day. So that would be the morning mostly. Sometimes it changes, like sometimes I stay and just water the plants if I didn't do it the night before, or if I'm bleeding, I mostly don't get up. I just stay in bed and like maybe go down for a tea and a hot breakfast and then come back and stay here. <laughs> I'm really, really lucky for these opportunities of this morning. So I'm thankful for that. Beautiful morning. Okay. The second question would be, what book have you recommended the most? What book? What book have you recommended the most to your, to your people around or friends? It changes depending on the topic, probably. But I think the book I've bought the most is a woman that run with the wolves that ah. I've given to women. I, I had a... Um, episode with a Clara yeah and, and yeah she, she said the same book <laughs> yeah I, I, I actually said the same that. book <laughs> and it's interesting because I think the first time I read it it was with her I think we read it ah. at the same time the so, first time okay, so the book is really powerful it. then <laughs> it's really beautiful I bought it many times for my sister I just wanted my sister to read it and my mom and they never understood anything. So I can say it's not for all women. You have to, it's not for everybody, but um, I, that's the book I've recommended the most together with The Power of Choosing, mm -hmm. which is also a book that Clara gave me. I will the check Power it out. of Choosing. Uh, it's, a, I think, a Canadian or French or French Canadian woman called Annie Marker. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a very, uh, very simple written. It's like easy to read. And he talks about the power of making decisions. 
conscious decisions. So it's the book, um, that book I never bought. I read it from Clara and then she gave it to me at some point because I kept looking into it and I was completely fascinated. And at some point she gave it to me. And I've been, um, yeah, giving it to a lot of people to read and I recently got it back. So I'm about to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, there are many and uh, they change. Uh, I recommend a lot of books, but those two, I think it's the most that I recommend to people. I will check the, the last one out. I will, book, I will order it as well. Because after Clara I, told me the first one, I was like, I must check it out. <laughs> Uh, the woman that roll, run with the wolves has been translated to many different languages. I okay. highly recommend you to to read it in your in your language, in your own like mother okay. language. Okay, I will check it out in Lithuanian then. You, I'm, I'm sure you're gonna find it. Okay. In, or the or the language you like feel more comfortable with. Mm. It's really beautiful. See. <laughs> and the third question is: What are you currently most passionate about? That would be probably integration, integrating. Uh, I think I am uh, uh, starting consciously to pay attention to the integration process of everything I've been learning uh, and all of the changes in my life, how to put everything together into tools and how to be able to, to say goodbye to everything what is not, I'm not, you know, it's not, it's only taking my attention somewhere else and like, it's not useful. Even though everything serves for a purpose, it was probably showing me, this is something you don't want. Okay, bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but probably integration, like trying to, I think, Mm, also with my work with the women and with the children and with my own work my own yoga practice I have an amazing teacher who was also my shiatsu or is still my therapist helping me with my back and my relationship with my family and with my husband and my their relationship with the, the land we are lucky to take care of to be able to take care of now and to grow in the plants and everything that I have learned and that I continue on learning and that I want to learn one day. I think I am passionate about finding the different ways of observing and integrating, trying to integrate like really into having a more coherent actions, having more coherent actions, that my actions are coherent to what I talk about. Um, so I think that's something I definitely pay attention a lot and look for different ways of being, uh, to integrate everything and also to be able to help others integrate their own processes because finally I'm realizing this is what I've been doing. So people keep coming to me and I, I feel a huge responsibility of if I take someone and, and decide to listen to this person and see if there is something I can do. Many times there is nothing, many times I have to say, go to this other person, <laughs> I cannot help you. 
but if if I do take them in and I say, okay, I'm gonna be here for you, um, to to help them integrate in a better way that it's more beneficial for them. Um, also taking care of my own self and um, my own process, and so that I can be truthful. To 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 yeah to find ways to walk on earth with truth and love i i think that would be it <laughs> mara <laughs> thank you so much oh thank i'm you. like feeling like thank you so much for joining me today thank you for this opportunity of um sharing with you and to people that want to uh are looking for ways to live a better life and be happy and joyful thank you so much <laughs> i i i don't know but i think it's gonna be the longest podcast from all of them and the time flew super fast and i'm so happy wow <laughs> we are speaking already for a couple of hours and yeah i just saw it <laughs> you know like so naturally as we would have just a phone call together yeah <laughs> yeah we have to do this more often right? so the next podcast, if we make another podcast it's going to be shorter because we already talk about <laughs> exactly. things that no one cares exactly. about it <laughs> <laughs> was such a pleasure such a pleasure yes like, yes I I really enjoyed it every every word you said because it's it got right into me from here to here. Mm. And I really hope that it did the same to other people. To the people who are searching for the connection with the nature and all women who is also trying to find themselves. Mm -hmm. And Thank you so much. I hope so too. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this and for co just collecting all these amazing people. And like I was, I was look, uh, listening and watching your other podcasts and like, you know, Clara and Anushe, Matthias, like everyone has something very special to share. Mm. And uh, I think it's so special when you see people talking from, from their real life experience. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is how you choose us, <laughs> but I think it's something really precious hmm. to, to be able to share with, with people. I think so I, thank you for that. I've been blessed that I met all of these people, including you in my life. So now it's just, I have just to share them all with everyone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm super grateful for that. Super grateful for that. And for yeah. everyone, if everyone wants to get more any tips about yoga on mindfulness or meditation, nutrition and self-awareness, um, check the onemindzone.com and you might find some interesting things for yourself, including a free mindfulness challenge package where you can set up your new goals, monitor your behavior and track your habits, either good or bad. 
And if you like this episode, and I'm sure you liked it, uh, <laughs> thumb up below and subscribe to my channel and get notified about the new episode as soon as it's published. The next one is going to be also very interesting one. So that's it for today. Stay healthy, y'all. Bye-bye. Gracias. <laughs> Gracias.